0: Son recently celebrated his ninth birthday. He turned nine years old, and it struck me. I could not believe that my wife and I have been parents for nine years already, and he's still alive, which is a good thing. But nine years, Camp, its amazing. It helped led me to reminisce a little bit about those very early years of parenting. Uh, you know those moments where you're, you're kind of scared, you're nervous, you haven't done it before, you don't know what's ahead, you're getting no sleep, you're very tired. All those different things that come with being very young parents. And I remember one time, I think it was Thanksgiving, spending time with family and my brother and sister-in-law, who didn't have kids yet, but they urged us and they encouraged us that we needed to leave I think he was one or two at the time. We needed to leave Aiden with grandpa and grandma, and he would be okay. They would take care of him. He would survive. He'd be fine. We could leave him, and we could go out with them. They wanted to take us to this dueling piano bar called Mojo's, and they had to convince us because I remember just being skeptical. I didn't know that at this dueling piano bar that I was going to find world-class talent performing there. My wife and I, we, we want to make those excuses and say, oh, we're tired. i want to just stay in, go to bed. But they insisted and they persisted and I think eventually they overcame our skepticism or they just forced us. They said, you need out. And so eventually... We went, it was awesome. It was fantastic. It was amazing. There were these five guys who not only played the piano, but they played guitar, drums, they sang. They could take any song from any era, any request anybody gave them, and they knew how to play it without any music on the piano. It was just incredible. My expectations were were blown away. My skepticism was overcome. We had a great night. Have you ever had a similar experience? Friends or family have talked up to you a vacation spot, a a restaurant, a beach, water park, whatever it is, national park. They say, you need to go. You need to check it out. You need to experience it for yourself. It is amazing And when you finally did, when you finally went, it was. It exceeded all your expectations. Then again, have you also had the opposite experience? An experience that was seriously underwhelming. Maybe a place that people had talked up to you, a location, and, and then when you got there and you experienced it for yourself, it didn't even come close to meeting your expectations. It seriously disappointed you. And maybe if you've had enough of those experiences, then you tend to start to lower your expectations. And friends, I want to ask you if you have done that with Jesus Christ of Nazareth? Are you ever skeptical of him? Have you ever lowered your expectations of Jesus? As here at Divine Savior Church and at many other Christian churches, we believe that Jesus Christ of Nazareth, that he is the very son of the almighty creator God, that he is God himself, that he was miraculously born Conceived by the Holy Spirit and a virgin woman named Mary, that as he came into this world and lived his life, he lived a perfect life that met every single expectation of God, a life that is far outside of our reach, the righteousness that we could never obtain to. And then, after living such a righteous, perfect life, then we proclaim that he died on a cross as that perfect once-and-for-all sacrifice that removes every single obstacle that there is to a healthy, harmonious relationship with that almighty creator God. And we also declare that after his lifeless, breathless body was laying in a rock tomb, a place where corpses would go to begin to rot, that he— revived that body, he took it up again, that very same flesh and blood, now with new, vibrant, whole, glorious life, and his resurrection from the dead proclaims to us, declares, and assures us that we will not succumb to death, but we will simply pass through it to also obtain a new, glorious, holy life and body. All of that. Do you ever become skeptical of that? Maybe your skepticism runs deeper. Maybe not only is it hard for you to believe that all of that could actually be historically and accurately and objectively true, but you are also skeptical of religion in general you're skeptical of churches you've you've lowered your expectations of any church because you have had experiences that were seriously underwhelming that disappointed you you've you've met hateful christians you've met arrogant christians you met condescending christians and believers And maybe even sometimes we become that. And so you've lowered your expectations. And maybe for you, the skepticism is really a facade for anger at God. Maybe you do believe all of that. You hold it to be true. You you confess it. You profess it. You know it in your heart. And yet, your skepticism is for what Jesus can actually do in your life right here, right now, for the present. How Jesus might actually change who you are and how you live. Maybe you've lowered your expectations for the expectations Jesus has of you. You know, skepticism... And low expectations can find a place in all of our hearts. But as you think about all of the beliefs, everything that we hold true as believers and as Christians, if you're taking notes this morning, the first thing you write down, that the beliefs of Christianity are high expectations. They are filled with high hopes. Both for the future and for right now, right here. And today, we're going to meet a disciple of Jesus who was very skeptical. He had some very low expectations, but his personal expectations were exceeded far and away, and it began with an experience that started as Philip came to him with a simple invitation, come and see. This was in the very early stages of Jesus' ministry, He had just begun to call his earliest disciples, those who would follow him, who who would be his closest companions. And he had called Philip, come follow me. Now, to understand that when Jesus says, come follow me, that just doesn't mean to walk behind him, but it means to walk alongside him, to learn from him, to trust him, to put your faith in him. And Philip was ready to do all of that. But before he did, he went and he found Nathanael. He was also known as Bartholomew. He went and found Nathanael. And this is what Philip said to him. He said, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph, and I listen to Nathaniel's low expectations and his skepticism. He says, "Nazareth, are you kidding me? Nazareth, can anything good come from there?" Now Philip's primary evidence that he had for this Jesus being this chosen one it came from the word of God. He pointed to Moses the author of the first five books of their holy scriptures, a huge historical figure. He talked about how Moses had said that God was going to raise up a prophet from among the people and that God demanded that the people listen to that prophet. Philip also pointed to the later prophets, each and every one of them, who looked ahead and talked about the coming Messiah, God's chosen and anointed one. But Nathaniel knew that none of them mentioned Nazareth. Galilee, the, the region, sure, but, but Nazareth? No. And Nazareth did not have a good reputation. Nazareth was not known for producing great minds, big leaders, Nathaniel himself, he had grown up in, in Cana, just a stone's throw away. He knew all about Nazareth. And if this one truly was that chosen one, that prophet that God was going to raise up, well, Nathanael then, he had some high expectations for who that person would be. Well, Philip addressed Nathaniel's skepticism with his simple invitation, come and see. And when Nathanael did, he found something that he wasn't expecting. Jesus overcame his skepticism, and Jesus exceeded his expectations. And Jesus does the same thing for us. Jesus overcomes our skepticism, and Jesus exceeds our expectations, now well, first, Jesus paid Nathaniel an incredible compliment. He said, "Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit." Now Jesus' words go beyond Nathaniel's ethnic origins. Someone who is a true Israelite is someone who believes the word of the Almighty Holy God. It's someone who holds to that word as truth. A a true Israelite is someone who praises God's holy name and waits on the Lord. A true Israelite is someone who looks ahead to the fulfillment of the promises that God has made. A true Israelite is someone who stands in that faith, stands in that trust of God. A true Israelite is someone who followed in the spiritual footsteps of men like Moses and Abraham and David, and Daniel, and Jacob, the man whose name would become Israel. A true Israelite is someone who constantly seeks the very presence of God. And so this was a huge compliment that Jesus gave Nathanael. But Nathanael's faith in the Lord Jehovah that looked ahead to the fulfillment of all those promises now needed to be met with faith in the one who fulfilled them. It now needed to be met with faith in those promises now fulfilled in Jesus And so even this true Israelite in whom there was no deceit, even he needed a Savior. And Jesus was that Savior. Jesus was Nathanael's Savior and he is your Savior. And Nathanael was struck by the impressive talent of Jesus when Jesus said, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Jesus wanted Nathanael to know how he would overcome all of his expectations, even his very greatest expectations. When Jesus says, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree, he's saying so much more than that. He's saying, I know you. He's making a bold, audacious claim to be God himself, to be omniscient, to know all things. I think even still today, it's common for people to find a quiet, secluded, peaceful spot, like under the shade of a fig tree, so that they can think, so they can meditate, so they can pray. When Jesus said, I saw you under the fig tree, he said, I know you, Nathaniel. I know your mind and your heart. I know everything about you. And dear friends, Jesus knows you too. He knows your mind. He knows your heart. He sees you Wherever you are, he knows your pain. He knows your doubts. He knows when and how and where you feel weak and unprepared. He knows your guilt, that guilt that you carry around with you that, that just won't leave, that, the guilt that you wish that you could escape but can't find the escape for it. He knows that sometimes, You're a skeptic, and sometimes you lower your expectations, even of him. And that's exactly why he sends people to you to say, come and see. Just see who Jesus is and what Jesus does. That's why Jesus uses others to lead us by his holy word, because he knows your mind and heart, He uses others to lead you into that holy word where he gives you his promises, his own assurances. It's through that word of God that Jesus overcomes our skepticism, that Jesus exceeds all of our expectations. And that word, he he points out to us, our struggle to find meaning in this life apart from him, and then he fills our life with deep meaning from Himself. He shows us the incredible joy that we have in him because he is exactly who Nathanael said that he was when Nathanael declared, you are the son of God and you are the king of Israel. Jesus is your God and your king. And when Nathanael gave that response, Jesus then returned and said, you're going to see far greater things than this. The disciples would It would see Jesus walk on water. It would see Jesus perform incredible miracles, making food to last for thousands. It would see Jesus heal people of their diseases, open the eyes of the blind, make the lame to walk again, allow the deaf to hear. demons would flee in fear and terror, and Jesus said you will see far greater things than all of that there would be something far greater than every single one of those jesus said you will see heaven open and the angels of god ascending and descending on the son of man a true israelite like nathaniel would immediately catch this reference and know that Jesus was making a very bold, very audacious claim right here. He would know how their ancestor Jacob had had that dream where he saw the angels ascending and descending on that stairway leading up to God, the very presence of God in a place. And Jesus claimed to be just that. Jesus claimed to be the connection between heaven and earth, Jesus claimed right here to be the way in which people would be reunited with God, their Heavenly Father. Jesus claimed that in Him, you find the bridge to your almighty Creator God. You find the bridge to God's presence. Jesus provides that communion to God for which we all long. You find the peace that your heart yearns for, that you crave, you find the the removal of that guilt that you've been walking around with that you can't get rid of, Jesus takes it away. As the son of God, his sacrifice on the cross, it brings you that peace with God. And as the king of Israel, he continues to watch over you every single day. He knows your mind and your heart. He knows what you feel as you call out to him And so in Jesus, through his word, these can be your expectations of him. That he takes away all your guilt through his forgiveness. That he has conquered death itself. That he is your connection, your bridge to eternal life. And Jesus also invites you to come and see. He urges you to come to him and see who he is and what he has done so that he can exceed all your greatest expectations. You can see Jesus as your deep connection to God. You can follow him as his disciple and you also can invite others. You can allow them to have this incredible experience through a simple invitation. Come and see. Come and see how Jesus overcomes our skepticism and exceeds all our expectations. Amen?